So what exactly is universal or inclusive design, and why should you care? Find out that and more on this episode of the Inclusive Design Podcast. Welcome to the Inclusive Design Podcast, featuring industry experts and community leaders who are transforming our world through responsible innovation. From our classrooms and workplaces to products and services, it's time to stop designing for normal and start designing for inclusion. Hey everyone, and thank you for tuning into the first episode of the Inclusive Design Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Maharali. I wanted to dedicate this first episode to creating a common language around inclusive design. Sometimes I feel like the best way to actually start talking about inclusive design is to start understanding what exclusive design means and looks like. We experience the world through our own set of lenses, and it's really easy to make the assumption that other people in the world are experiencing things in the same way that we do, especially when we're not consciously thinking about diversity. About a month ago, I woke up and I couldn't see out of my left eye. I had no idea why. My eye just kept watering and my vision was super blurry and I started to panic. And it's interesting because the first thought that came into my mind was, if I have to go to the hospital, how will I drive? How am I going to get around? And then I started thinking about using the phone and actually like, am I going to be able to see the phone properly and dial the numbers? Like, what if the vision went in my other eye? And I started to just panic about being able to use devices. And then I started to think about the computer screen and um, being able to navigate the internet or use apps. And would I be able to do this and that? And I think what was underlying all of this is that my fears were really rooted in one belief, that if I lost my vision in one way or another, I would be excluded. See, I already knew this. Deep down, I knew that if I lost my vision, I would not be able to participate in the world in the same way. But how often do I think about that? I'm thankful to say that I regained my vision and the vision loss was only short-term, temporary. But I think what I was left with was a reinforced message that society is not fair and not equal, and that people, through no fault of their own, are excluded from participating in our society and in our economy. We design the world to fit a standard person, or what we would call the average user, the normal person. But what is a standard person, and who determines that? See, the problem with designing for a standard or average user is that there really is no such thing as normal. To be normal is actually to be different. Different in size, age, race, gender, sexuality. Different in finances. Different in digital literacy and digital access. Different in language. There's so many variables, and that's what makes us human, and that's what makes us unique. 
But if you only design for a certain population, it means that anyone who doesn't fit your definition of normal has to spend extra effort and extra cost to simply exist in the same space, to do the exact same things. Sometimes what we forget is that designing inclusively and accessibly actually creates opportunities for everyone. I think that the topic of the pandemic that we're going through right now is a really good place to start when talking about inclusive design because it's full of examples. Right now, if you go outside, almost everybody is wearing a face mask covering their nose and their mouth. But have you ever thought about how somebody who's deaf or low hearing would experience this, where everybody is covering their their lips, people who actually depend on reading lips? And when we had a face mask shortage, it was great to see that there were a lot of companies putting up their hand to help produce new masks. But did we ever see a mask created that in mass numbers that was transparent, that allowed us to see facial expressions and and mouths as as we're communicating. We didn't, but instead the, the internet was full of masks that were fancy with these intricate designs. I even saw one that was silk lined, but people didn't think about creating transparent masks and actually having that become the normal. The problem is that it feels like a hassle to design something for a small population, as we might call it. But that's the biggest misconception, that we're designing for only a small group way out here. And what we fail to recognize is that inclusive design doesn't just benefit that population it actually improves the lives of many other people who it wasn't intended for. Imagine the amount of people that would actually like to see people's lips move as they're communicating to be able to see their facial expressions. Imagine going to the doctor and as they're wearing their mask, you could actually see your doctor's expression. You could make sure you're understanding the words that they're speaking. And it gives you a deeper sense of reassurance. But we don't think this way. We think that designing for inclusion means special treatment, and it's a very short-sighted way of looking at things. Take elevators or ramps or voice technology, for example. These are things that may have been created for this quote-unquote small population, but actually are usable by a diverse population, parents pushing strollers, people carrying luggage, um, delivery folks, people who want to make hands-free calls or texts or talk to Google to turn off the lights. I want to be clear because of the examples that I've shared that inclusive design is not limited to ability. When we talk about participation and access, we need to be thinking about people from different races, languages, religions, gender, sexuality, all of these different variables. Ability is a part of that. Inclusive design is good design, and when it's done right, it can lead to social, economic, and financial benefit. With more people in our society 
participating in our workplaces, our economy, it benefits everyone. And it also makes really good business sense. If your product or your service works for people from all walks of life, it benefits you. There's actually significant profit and cost savings that come from inclusive design. Not only are you able to capture and appeal to a broader market, but you're also able to mitigate risk. That can be the risk of somebody returning a product because it didn't work for them, or the cost of lawsuits, or the cost of reputational damage. In 2015, Google actually came under fire for its Photos app where its algorithm actually classified two black individuals as gorillas. Horrific. Since then, Google has, yes, fixed their algorithm, but they've also invested in an entire team that's dedicated to product inclusion. In this podcast, we'll explore how tech, community spaces, education, and workplaces are adopting an inclusive mindset. I'll be speaking with design practitioners, industry experts, and community leaders who will share practical tips and tools from their experiences in different industries. Thank you for tuning into this episode. And if this appeals to you, please consider subscribing so that you can keep up with the latest when it comes to inclusive design. Oh, 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 oh,